welcome to the Mark Sanchez Podcast. Oh, wait. Wait. Sorry. Wrong podcast. Wrong day. Sorry. Uh, welcome to the Movies on the Brain Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood. With me tonight is the other half of my brain in the Movies on the Brain Podcast. <laughs> Chad Mitz. Welcome to another weird, wild, and wacky week in the world of non-Mark Sanchez news. So, Chad, Marvel... Marvel has no plan. They're uh, a directionless, errant people who are wandering through the wilderness of Phase 4 and uh, causing chaos and destruction in their way. Your thoughts, sir, on the internet setting itself ablaze with thoughts and feelings that Phase 4 is meaningless, sir. Meaningless. People are, you know, we're, we're amazing. Amazing creatures and such, and it's amazing to me that people, there, there's no recall in things when people start talking about stuff because I realize that everybody's trained that, like, we've been following Marvel for, what, 14, is it 14 years now? Yeah, so, yeah, 14 years. Um, and they're, you now they're used to things building up to some big grand event. Um, little do they remember that you know, phase one, it it eventually built up to the Avengers, but that's not how it started. It started, we just had, you know, this movie here, this movie there. They take place in the same universe. And then once they saw that that kind of worked, then they kind of built to things. Now, that was, a, that was a little bitty sandbox that they were playing in. So they were figuring things out, and then they decided, okay, we can lead up to this big thing. Now... That sandbox is absolutely huge, and they have movies, and they have TV series, and they have cartoons, and they can do all these different things. And could they build up to something? Yes. Could they say, now let's try something different? Yes. The point is that they can kind of do whatever they want. I Will it build to something? Probably. Will it, 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 at this point, it could build to several different things. We don't know. So I said all of that to say, one, um, just because you don't understand what's going on right now doesn't mean that the people in charge don't understand and they don't know where this is going. They know where it's going if it's building to something they know it. Two, they could be doing new things. What you just what you should do, yes, you can break down, you can analyze, but then at the end of the day, just enjoy the ride. See where it takes you. That's part of the fun. Not knowing everything. If you knew everything, then there's no point in seeing everything. So enjoy the ride. Stop trying to break everything down. Stop trying to say things that are failures. And when you don't understand, we are like two, three movies into this at this point. They're doing new stuff. You don't understand it. But you probably will once they get you to a point they want to get you to. So sit back. Enjoy it. Stop complaining. Damn. Uh, uh, The Kevin Feige comment about retreats. The thing for me was like they did a retreat every year. They planned Captain America and Thor on the basis that they would have an Avengers. Avengers was a huge risk. And this is something that most people now can't appreciate. Even up until, and you've told the story on this podcast many times, up until that first, tra- that final trailer, you were like, is this going to work? Like, going into the 
going into the theater that night, you were like, is this going to work? So, like, it's not like it was a guaranteed that thing that it was going to be a huge success. And yet they took the chance and they built to it and it worked. Thanos shows up at the very, very, very end of Avengers. And I am old enough to remember Comic-Con 2013, 2012. No, Comic-Con 2012, two months after the Avengers appeared, uh, debuted, where they announced the Phase 2 slate. And I remember everybody and his brother freaking out because Avengers 2 was going to be Age of Ultron and not Infinity War. Because they were like, what's the point in introducing this dude at the end of the, of the first Avengers movie if you're not going to pay him off really quickly? Well, guess what? They paid him off, but it took seven years. It took six years. Like, they had a plan, and they built to it, and it paid off. Will you ever have anything like in-game? Probably not. But we know that they're doing Secret Wars as a television series, and that could lead to something. We know that they're that they are putting the pieces into place for Midnight Suns. We know that that's a possibility. We know that they are um, putting the the pieces into place for uh, for a couple of other groups that are important to the MC, important to the Marvel history, such as the Fantastic Four and the X Men. Like, and let's not forget, we're dealing with freaking grief all the way through this this phase. And this phase is not even done yet. I mean, we're we're not done with phase four technically until we finish Thor Love and Thunder in July. So like can we like give people some room to be creative and interesting and different and maybe take seven more years to tell their story and not two? That's see we're we're on the same page. Uh, I don't know. It's I've kind of one I saw people kind of going into this stuff. I kind of, I'll be frank. I just ignored it because it's like, y'all are making, what do y'all want? Like, what do you want? Do you really want to know everything? Do you have to know exactly where this ship is going? Because I, I always thought finding out was the fun. So I understand it's not what they were used to, but you know, as we've been kind of saying, Marvel evolved from where it started to where it's at now. To it's no longer a hedge fund. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's no longer it, a hedge fund that's gambled on one movie. It's a it's yeah. a billion dollar acquisition by by Disney. By the way, the guy on Twitter got it wrong. It wasn't four billion dollars for Marvel. It was it was one point eight, I believe, and it it was four billion for Lucasfilm. It was not four billion for for Marvel at the time, but. Mm-hmm. Um, like they've made that money back many times over, but like it's no longer a hedge fund, and they are no longer risking their entire financial future on every release. Like they have room. It's like a it's like a television series where you get a a two season order, right? Where you know now that you have two full seasons to tell your story. How I Met Your Mother benefited greatly from that in starting with season four. Like, when you start get two-season renewals, you don't have to worry about losing your job every year. Um, it's, it's, a re- it's a relief, I think, for Marvel to have this room to, to grow and build and play. Because they're the most successful entity that Disney, that Disney has. Far more successful financially than Lucasfilm has been since its acquisition. And far more successful than Disney Animation or Pixar. So... Yeah. So... I did look up how much they bought it for. It was four billion. Uh, 
And that's from So it was a so it was four billion for Marvel and four billion for Lucasfilm. Yes. And they've made their money back for both of those really quick. Well, the the money they made back from Lucasfilm at the expense of the product, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still long for the days. I still long for the days of like the idea that like okay boys, go make a movie. Like, here's our release date, go make a movie. Because we need to sell toys by Christmas 2015. How well did that work out for you? Because just, you narrowly skated by the first time. The second and third times, not so much. Yeah, I think those days are gone. And funny that you mentioned that toy thing again. Because I uh, I put on No Way Home as background noise yesterday. And I'm still so amused every time that damn Avi Arai thing comes up. And just the fact that they had, I don't... I love the fact that, like, like, it's like he's dead. (laughs) Like, it's like an in memoriam. Thank you you to this wonderful man who made all this possible. I mean, for for most people that see that, yeah, that's going to be their thought process. For me, because I I know good and well he is not dead. It's (laughs) like the, the having to, like, bow to such arrogance... When you really, when you really don't. Now, I I hate banging on Avi Rod for that reason because he, Academy a big part of why we are here. Producer, Avi Rod. I mean, for what he's done, getting an award for one of the movies he produced, I think that's well-deserved. It's not, I, I, it's really, it's like a, a career achievement award. He, because he, he was more hands-on with things in the past. And the things that we think he's more hands-on now are not good. But uh, to get... Without Avi Arad, Marvel is not here today. There's no other way around that. Uh, He's made terrible decisions in the back half of his career. But to get us where we're at now, if there's no Avi Arad, it does not happen. To the point where he plays a part in the book. Oh, I bet he... Oh, I know he does. Well, I mean, he he was a founding. But the, but that's the thing. Yeah, he's he's that crucial to he Marvel. Brought, and, he brought he brought Kevin all, not just Spider Man, but into Marvel at large. Because if he didn't do the things he did, uh, even on the toy side, we're just not here. Same with Brian Singer. I mean, if Singer doesn't do what he did. I mean, we don't have what we have. I mean, it's the same similar type idea. But the problem is, for me anyway, is like Avi has a more direct hand in things because Avi handpicked Kevin Feige. Like he worked with Kevin Feige directly on the sets of those movies. And like when he bowed out, like that paved the way for for Kevin and the guys to do what they did. It's all there in the book. That's the amazing part about it. Like, but that's that's where I am at with it. Is like, without Avi, there's no Kevin Feige, and without no Kevin, without Kevin Feige, there is no MCU. Um, without Kevin Feige and the and the Marvel producers and the end line and the end line uh, producing line. But I mean, it's just amazing to think that like we're at this place where people are like, we have no direction, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's. It's a bit of an. It's not even a bit. It is entitle the entitlement of some people that they they want what's 
what they want, and they've gotten familiar with how Marvel is operated. So they're they're reticent to to let new things happen. I mean, I'm by no means am I saying is Marvel beyond criticism, but this particular criticism of um, them not you not thinking they have a plan and whatnot, I think that is misguided, and we're really early into this. Let's not and let's not forget a lot of their plans have changed because of OA pandemic. So all of those factors to to me is like one, I know they know what they're doing. Two, they're still everybody's still trying to get their footing from the pandemic. And three, they probably just don't want us to be to 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 know exactly where we're going. They want us to be like, so we're they want us they want to introduce us to things. And then eventually you'll probably get a picture of what's happening. But right now we're just getting introduced to stuff. Just go along with the flow. So like my thing about this is I think that we're all overstating this because I feel like if you watch the season finale of Loki season one, you get what they're doing. Cause I think Kang spells it out very clearly in the end episode where he's like multiversal war. We all argued. I brought out the the Nakamesser. He destroyed the other foes. I won the, the multiversal war. I consolidated the timelines. You're going to kill me. That's going to break the timelines back up. And now we're going to have to have another multiversal war to bring those timelines back together. I think that that's very evident as to where they're going with that and whether or not Secret Invasion is going to play a part in that. I don't know. They're on the verge of wrapping filming on that. We also got a confirmation this week from the United Kingdom that uh, that uh, She-Hulk will be a August release, which makes sense because you would have Miss Marvel run up until Thor Love and Thunder, and then Thor Love and Thunder would have room to breathe, and then you would do She-Hulk. This makes perfect sense. Um, and it would bleed right into... I. Um, that run of She-Hulk would probably blend right into um, uh, what was the werewolf thing that they're doing? Um, oh, uh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, that's Werewolf by Night, Halloween. which I completely forgot that they were doing. But like, I saw a list of like their 2022 projects, and I remembered, and that was on the list. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. So like, they're gonna do Werewolf by Night, and that is gonna be the month of October, and that should lead you directly into either What If season two or um, you know, uh, something else that you would do in November. Oh, I am Groot or the uh, holiday special. Yeah. The holiday special, um, that you could, that you would do in, uh, in November for in time for Christmas. So, um, exactly. So like you could do, you could in theory do she Hulk. You did in theory do she Hulk. And that could lead up to, I uh, werewolf by night, and then werewolf by night could end just in time for Wakanda Forever, and then Wakanda Forever can run for a bit, and then Thanksgiving time you would get the holiday special, which would be, in James Gunn's words, crucial viewing for anybody seeing Guardians three, and then you would you would roll into twenty twenty three at that point. Yeah. Oh, and and to to your point about um, Marvel telling us where they're going because. I, I do believe you're right. Uh, Kang did spell it out for us. Um, when when I see articles like 
we're going to get multiple canes and going forward in Marvel is like, yes, we knew that. They told us that in Loki. Exactly what you're talking about. Kang said there were a lot of us. Then it was just me. And I'm keeping all the rest of us from coming back. When you get rid of me, there'll be a lot of us again. This is where we're at. So, um, which is uh, which is funny because uh, when we did our interview with Jim Babe at a, of IGM.com after the premiere of Loki, he was making jokes about the idea of Kevin Feige, you know, having some of the di- written some of the dialogue for Kang about being so old and wanting somebody to replace him. That's right. Yeah, and it's like. I don't think that was the point of that. I think the point of that was this is where we're going. Like if you kill me, if if you Sylvie, if you make this decision and you take my life, you're gonna open the doorway to another multiversal war. It's gonna have to happen. And Secret Wars will be a part of that, as will all of these other uh series. But like it's fairly clear to me that that's where they're heading. Yeah. And and since we're here, let's just go ahead and do this right now. So, with that with that thought, and watching Doctor Strange, and know that eventually, you know, the talk has been, we talked about it, and everybody's talked about it. How are they going to do mutants when they get to the X-Men? Uh, and especially now after having seen Doctor Strange, I do think the answer is um, Secret War. I do think we're going to... All of these incursions are going to happen, and we're going to have a multiverse, a multiversal war. Is going to end with, uh, hopefully, it'll end with one timeline, and it's going to have everything in it. And that timeline will then move forward, going with mutants included. Uh, that is my thoughts. Uh, because of that, I think I would have originally not thought that we get Secret War until like. Oh, I'd be real old man by the time I thought we were going to get Secret War. Now, I think we get Secret War, you know, in the next... I won't be quite so old. I think it will be in the next five years. Uh, because I think they want to... I don't know if they want to... I don't think they're in a remember rush they're do, to get Remember, to they're doing the, the Disney Plus series, Chad, with Samuel L. Jackson. No, 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 that's Secret Invasion. Then there's Secret War. So... Secret Invasion is with the Scrolls. Secret War is the multi, the uh, multiversal thing. And to that point, I think so. I think Secret War is going to be like the big thing, but I think there's going to be several big things, and like you might not see everybody and all of those things. But I think the biggest of the the things that we're going to get, um, which you know, yet to recap, we have Secret Invasion with the Scrolls coming. Uh, we also have, I want to say, your more street-level stuff with the Captain America stuff and um, with the Julia Lewis, Julia Lewis Dreyfus character and like her Dark Avengers she's putting together. They're over there doing something else. And I think the, the really, really big thing is going to be Secret Invasion. And yeah, I think we get that within five years to kick off x-men following that sometime but i don't think you have to go there this quickly i think you can build to that i I think the audience i don't think so i don't think so either i don't think they're in a rush i mean everybody knows they have the mutants x-men has been a franchise for the prior 20 years um 
at this point. When was Dark Phoenix? That was Dark Phoenix was two thousand and two thousand eighteen. Nineteen. Damn! So it was just three years ago. It seems so much longer than that. Well, I mean, but... Simon Kinberg had to do something with his time during the pandemic, so he made a movie about female spies that no one went to see. Well, <laughs> that, this is true. This is true. Um, so at this point, we're three years removed from Dark Phoenix, but hell, again, I'm into this stuff, and it didn't feel like it felt longer than three years since our last X Men movie. It felt it felt longer than that for Jennifer Lawrence as well. <laughs> um, so. If we keep with the, with thinking of it in five years, that's almost we're looking at eight years before we actually get between Fox's last X Men film and what will be Marvel's first foray into mutants. I think that's enough time. By the time that happens, you know, I mean, I already think I already thought that this was like five years ago at this point, so. It'll be enough time, so but they don't have to rush. They can do whatever they want, but it's the it's an option for them, and it's clearly where they're going. And I think that's this is their way to do mutants. It it accomplishes a bunch of things, but establishing mutants within our continuity, uh, even if it is like through some big fancy cosmic stuff that I don't really like to deal with. I get it. I mean. And my thing truly is, Chad, like, um, the audience seems to be along for the ride. I mean, you can say what you want to about the box office numbers for this uh, for this particular entry. But, like, the audience seems to be along for the ride for whatever, whatever Marvel thing is next. I mean, yeah, the, there was some hand-wringing over the box office, but... Again, Marvel's the biggest game in town. It may not have been as much as... Doctor Strange may not have gotten as much as we thought going in the second weekend. But uh, look, hearing from number of people that I trust, the drop-off percentage-wise is on par with Spider-Man No Way Home. So, and we consider that like the biggest movie of the year, of the last... Out since Endgame is the biggest movie since Endgame for sure. So if it's still doing, if it's doing drops comparable to No Way Home, that tells me that it is still Marvel. People haven't lost interest in Marvel. It's just Spider Man is a bigger name than Doctor Strange, so that's that explains the gap in numbers. But percentage wise, it's still the same. If you're talking about the difference between one point four billion dollars and nine hundred million dollars. Like that's that's kind of negligible at that point because even when you talk about a three hundred million dollar budget, like those numbers are negligible when you turn in terms of of corporate profit. Like a nine hundred a movie that makes nine hundred million dollars is not going to cause them to reevaluate things or change plans or course correct or anything like that, which is kind of what they were trying to do, which is say, you know. It's time to panic. The MCU is done. No, man. This movie... Before before the third weekend starts, it's probably going to be sitting at... A, it's gonna, probably going to be sitting at $700 million over the first three weeks. $700 million. For context, the Batman has still not made $800 million 
during its entire run. It it is by no means a failure. Is by no means signaling the end of the MCU. It is just Spider Man. Spider Man sets some expectations. Spider Man is a bigger movie. The by the nature of Doctor Strange being in Spider Man and the name of his movie. I think it carried heavier expectations than the movie was ready to handle. And I think that led to a little bit of a disappointment. But overall, I I think people are still happy with the product they got from Marvel. A hundred percent. And the thing is, like, it's not like they're they're not going to the movie or they're not seeing it on repeat on repeat viewings. It's just that it's not doing the no way home numbers, which is kind of Unfair to ask when, as you said, Spider-Man has had, what, five movies and you have the nostalgia, seven movies, and you have the nostalgia of the previous two Spider-Man coming back, compared with Doctor Strange, which up until this point has had one solo movie and two Avengers appearances. Like, that's not really a fair comparison in my view. It is not. It's not. And it... It just comes down to, I think a lot of this comes down to expectation. I know I've been saying that, you know, Doctor Strange is probably going to make a billion. It probably, it, it still can. It's, it's, it's probably going to struggle more than I would have thought to make a billion, but it still can. But I think a lot of people with the, I really think it's the the name and him coming from Spider-Man and the, the whole thing that they think Marvel's setting up, that they're setting up this big multiversal thing. And... While it is called Multiverse of Madness and we go to a bunch of different multiverses, it's not the sprawling multiversal thing that I think people were expecting. And I think that feeds into expectation because of what people expect, expected going in is not what they got coming out and how they dealt with that. But outside of that, it's... I mean, that's... This thing it, that's, is right there with Spider-Man. That's the thing for me, Chad, is, like, this is one thing where, like, the thing that I took the most out of in interviews was the idea that it wasn't a cameo fest. Say what you want to, but the third act of, the second and third act of Spider-Man No Way Home is a cameo fest. And the one thing that I took from no, from Multiverse of Madness, um early reviews and early reaction was it wasn't a cameo fest. And I think a lot of people thought that it would be because Multiverse of Madness. You get, like, the biggest cameo fest you get is the Illuminati. And they're there for, what, all of five minutes before they're all dead? (laughs) Toby and Andrew were there for, like, the majority of that third act in No Way Home. Like, the Illuminati are there for all of five minutes. And then they're all dead. Like, you can't even really enjoy John Krasinski as, like, uh, Krasinski as, as Mr. Fantastic because he's got, like, seven lines of dialogue. I mean, I mean, so I think that's also kind of feeding into people's perception and frustration. I think that's also factoring into people's frustration is that they wanted more cameos for longer. Yeah, and, and I think that feeds into the expectation of, of it all. Because even though, you know, you, like you're saying, um, you know, Andrew and Toby are like cameo fest in No Way Home. I think they, they actually serve the story better 
than the Illuminati started the story in this one. However, the Illuminati wasn't really there to service the story. The story they, they were, were there to part die. of the story, but yeah, they yeah they were there to. It was the story had a part where they were they could have fan service, and it they don't have to do a whole lot in the story, but to show off how powerful Wanda is. And and that's what that's that was their function in the story. Uh, Andrew and Toby actually moved Spider-Man's story forward. It it has something to do with Peter's arc, so they're there longer, but they serve the story more. And I think people saw, I think people were expecting more along the lines of that. They may not have known they were expecting people expecting them to serve the story, but to have that kind of time and that kind of presence, and that's not what you got. So if you went in expecting that, yeah, you're going to be a little disappointed. Now, I I never expected them to be in the movie that long, but I didn't have a whole bunch of expectations for what to expect. I was just trying to see where they were going. So those things didn't bother me as much as other people did. But it's you know it's valid if you if you felt that way. But I don't think it. If you're trying to use this movie as the tombstone of Marvel, I don't think you can. Especially when you look at, if you look at the box office numbers and then compare the first two weeks of Strange and the first two weeks of Spider-Man and the drops off, the drop-offs are the exact same. The reason, but Spider-Man made so much more money, that's, that ex- explains the gap in where we're going now. And what's going to hurt Strange going forward is where Spider-Man ran pretty much unopposed for freaking three months. Doctor Strange, you know, has competition. It's the summer. Summer's kicking back up. They've got a competition, I think, starting this week, if not this week, next week for sure. So that's what's going to cut into its lays and uh, its potential to make a billion dollars. It has nothing to do with the demise of Marvel, if it doesn't reach a billion, it's probably going to hit nine, at least. What did you think of this, uh, of the rumors about um, about Wanda having a larger role in the early scenes of the movie, and uh, you know, putting more context around um, her zero to ninety uh, heel turn? I think they could have helped. Um, you know, we talked about it on the, uh, when we did the, our spoiler cast and that was one of the things that, that bothered me. I thought that she, the way WandaVision ended and what we started, I didn't think that aligned. Uh, I thought about that some more and I've, I've watched the, you know, I've watched the end of WandaVision again and I can see where you get her here from there, but I would have liked more, at least I would have liked more from about the Darkhold. Maybe not Wanda herself. They, they, I think it could have helped. But the Darkhold and the way that it works, particularly with her, I think would have helped some more. Um, and But, you know, having her have some more scenes, because in my, see, in my mind going into it, my last vision of her is her being contrite when she's talking to um, Monica and that's kind of my last image of Wanda yeah she did mess up stuff she realized she did mess up stuff uh, now they let her go away but there was nobody really going to stop her but 
her conversation with Monica led me to believe that she had, she was um, remorseful for what she had done. And I think she was. And she was going to understand, her point now is to go understand her power so she can't do anything like that again. But another read of it is, particularly when you see the end with her, with the dark hole was, yeah, she went to learn about all of her powers so she could not innocent, like, take over innocent people again, but she could do it again if she wanted. And that, and that's where this movie kind of picks up. She's decided she's going to do something like this again. She wants to go to her kids. And it makes sense in that, when you think about it that way, it's just, I don't know, just one or two more steps to get, bring the audience with you there, I think would have worked. But I get it. I I can see it, but it works better if you have some more, a little, just a little bit more for me. I agree. I agree. And before we uh, move on to our discussion about the uh, Love Thor, Love and Thunder photo that dropped this afternoon, I want to, uh, because we are both wrestling fans, want to uh, want to pass along WWE's official statement on this evening. Uh, open quotes. When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations John Laronitis's office with their suitcases in hand, placed their Tag Team Championship belts on the desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as Tag Team Champions, even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with their two opponents, even though they had had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequences. Monday Night Raw is a, script, a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform in the requirements of their, of their contract. We regret we are unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. Yeah, this is a a wild situation. Uh, like before we got on, I was uh, I wasn't watching it uh, because my my projector in my room has gone off, so I can't watch wrestling while we do this anymore. But uh, Twitter was ablaze with uh, things about Sasha Banks walking out and all of that, and then I saw the initial report of them just walking out, uh, and apparently. Well, what I first saw was that one of the announcers, uh, Corey Graves, explicitly said that they walked out, uh, which if you know anything about how this works, that me pretty much means Vince McMahon said, say this on TV. And then I saw the, the reports that um, there was basically uh, a creative um, um, kerfuffle between Sasha and Vince. And then, then then they walked out. And then I saw this official statement from WWE, which it looks like they've relinquished their titles. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, cooler heads prevail. Uh, I'm not worried about Sasha at all because, quite frankly, I thought WWE had borrowed time with Sasha as it is. I thought she was like a year or two at most from being gone and maybe coming back part-time here and there, but she got, she's about to be on the bigger and better things. For me, it was about 
Naomi getting caught up in this in which uh, if this happens, she's the odd one out, even though she is married to part of the main event uh, faction, the bloodline, she's married to Jimmy Uso. But still, WWE doesn't take uh, doesn't take kindly to this kind of uh, insubordination. So while Sasha may have made out good, I was worried about Naomi. Um, and then partially pettily, I was kind of curious who their big issue is with uh, in their opponents. Of course, uh, there was no pun intended there because most people are assuming that is Dewdrop. I, I I thought Dewdrop was a fine wrestler. I've heard worse things about Nia Jax when it comes to being a um, in-ring competitor. So I thought Dewdrop was fine. Never heard anything bad about her. But maybe it's her. I don't know. We'll we'll see. The dirt sheets will be. I'm sure they'll be singing tomorrow morning. So we'll f- probably find out some more stuff there. But it's just wild that somebody. Sasha Banks' stature, again, doing all the things she's done. She was, like, a big part of that promo package for the college football playoffs. She's been in The Mandalorian. Um, and, hell, all the press for her main eventing your WrestleMania just last year, for her to walk out, it, it's going to be a big story. So we'll, we'll keep seeing what's going to happen. So this is not her first time at this, and that's my thing. We were both at that WrestleMania in New Orleans. Like, she was forced, they were, her and Bailey were forced to give up the tag titles, and they literally sat in a hotel room and pitched a fit. Like, they were not happy they were going to have to drop those belts that quickly, and they felt disrespected. So, this is not the first time that Sasha has done something like this, and, it, and it, there's a part of me that wonders if it's a giant publicity stunt, because Vince truly does need eyeballs and ratings right now in the post-WrestleMania atmosphere, um, especially considering Backlash didn't do the numbers he wanted. But, like, it's still very weird to me that she, of all people, would would take this tact a second time. Because the first time it was just something that was reported on dirt sheets, and they, she still went, her and Bailey still went, they still did the match, they still gave the rub and left um, without the belts. This is something completely different. Like, walking in mid-show and being like, nope, we're not doing this, is something that you haven't really seen since Austin. And Austin was like, there's no story for me to give the rub to Brock. And he left. Like, that's just something you haven't really seen a whole lot of in Vince's tenure in WWE. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah, at this point, I I don't have a whole bunch more to add, but... uh... It being Sasha makes it more noteworthy, and yeah, you you know when you're dealing with wrestlers, particularly uh, Vince, uh, as my friend likes to say, they're all carnies, and you you always have to be skeptical because it, it it's all a work. This could be a work too, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Indeed. So, what did you make of the Thor Love and Thunder picture? So this is the. Um, the one with Jane and um, Valkyrie, right? Jane and Valkyrie at what looks like an Illuminati type council meeting. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's still that kind of boardroom that we see Valkyrie in in uh, the trailer for Love and Thunder. 
And let's not forget that Cain made her, that Thor made her king of New Asgard. And it looks like she's doing, in the trailer, it looks like she's doing some uh, bureaucratic stuff. Um, so to see her in this setting, in, in this picture, it looks like more kind of bureaucratic, uh, bureaucratic stuff. Um, the interesting thing is that Jane is sitting next to her. Uh, and I, I haven't read Mighty Thor, but I seem to recall that, um, Mighty Thor, Jane Foster, that's, that's what they're going to recall her in the movie. That's what I'm going to refer to her as whenever we talk about her. Um, I think there was something similar in the comics in that new Asgard, there was a new Asgard. Uh, it was actually, it actually hovered over Oklahoma in the comics. And there was like a council of leaders or something like that. And Jane, Jane S. Thor was a part of it. So I think we're going to see something similar here uh, with Valkyrie having whatever this council is uh, for New Asgard. And Jane is going to be a part of it. Uh, my question to that is, does that have something to do with how Jane gets the hammer? Or is it because she has the hammer that she's allowed to do stuff with this uh with this board i don't know we'll have to wait and see the movie for that but uh that's that was kind of my train of thought when i saw the pictures and also um natalie portman is jacked we all knew that but once again I want to reiterate again as somebody pointed out if you look at the promotional materials for uh, attack of the clones almost 15 years over 15 years ago now Natalie Portman can get Jack for any role she wants. <laughs> and look damn good. Oh, um, Attack of the Clones turns 20 years old this week. And I think we now need to also start a clock on Black Black Swan, which was her Oscar win, which I believe is almost uh, 10 years old now. I'm going to look that one up. Actually, actually, Attack of the Clones turns 20 years old today. Right now, we're recording on May 16th. May 16th is Attack of the Clones Day. But none of that actually matters because we're all propelling ourselves forward to the Obi-Wan premiere in a couple of weeks, uh, which goes head-to-head with Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1, which is a very interesting move on Disney's part, I thought. Oh, this is not an incredible... This is not. I think Disney had this spot staked out first. Uh, well, they had to move because they, they moved it back two days in order to get to this. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, um... You know, if recent news with Netflix is an indication, Disney's like, I have the bigger stick. I'm going to swing it. And, you know, the way the way they, they're they structuring their show release, uh, I, th- I I think Netflix still does the, the, the binge method where they drop everything at once. And Obi-Wan, I think they're going to drop two and then one a week. And if that's the case, then you wake up you watch the two from Obi Wan, and then you binge the rest of season four. You binge season four of Strange Things. I think it's a win-win for everybody. I think it's going to be more of a win for Disney, but you know. Yeah, that, that's just an interesting dynamic. I'd love to see the social media breakdowns on that. That's going to be, I think, interesting to me. Um, so, Chad, Warner Brothers, Discovery Plus t- or Discovery taking over, restructurings, all of the things. Bom ba bom 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 ba bom bom. Tell me about your thoughts about the restructuring of the uh, 
entity that is Warner Brothers Entertainment. Okay, so let's, before we really start, let's take this with a grain of salt. This comes from a site I've never heard of. Um, it's called it's, it's Puck News, uh, and it is to where this where this um, news comes from. I haven't seen it come from anywhere else. So grain of salt, it. But it line the the reason I think it's taken off is because it lines up with what the Variety article says. The Variety article, particularly about DC, was saying that. Uh, Discovery wanted someone to head DC and pretty much, you know, get it in order. And this this article from Puck is saying that it's basically saying they want DC to have like a big one big studio head and then studio smaller studio heads over the different properties or uh, uh, yeah, let's say properties that they have. So someone over. DC, someone over your Harry Potter, somebody over your animation, and they report to the big studio head. Um, and I know people don't like the comparison, but that's what Disney does. Disney has a head of Marvel. They have a head of Lucasfilm. They have a head of um, animation. I cannot remember that head. It might be a head of animation and Pixar or they may have just put them together at at once. I don't remember if that's how that goes, but either way, uh they siloed their department heads and they those department the, those producers run their show how they want and they report to the big studio head. I think that makes all the sense in the world. I've been screaming for DC to do something like this for years. Get make DC its own film studio. With his own producer that runs the whole show, and then you run it up to Warner Brothers. That that's how it. Sh I think that's how it should be. I think it's one of those things. You you, you steal the things that work, and I think that model works. Uh, now, how the producer runs it, it's completely up. It's completely up to the CEO and the big studio head, and the person that they hire. How they want to run it? How are they going to run it? Everything shared, or they're gonna run it with some share, some not. It's up to whoever you hire, but you go out and hire them and let them run the studio. Big the big WB shouldn't dictate what Justice League is gonna do so they can hit their bonuses. No, the DC studio head dictates what those movies are gonna do in accordance to what has already been, accordance to a vision that has already been signed off on by Discovery Media proper. The Warner Brothers studio head and the guy that's running, guy or lady or whoever that's running DC Films. That's how it should go. I think things would go uh, be a lot smoother if that happened. And I hope that this is the way it's going. Uh, I have some more thoughts on animation, but I will let you go first. I mean, like, this is the, the kind of restructuring that you have when you're looking at other other models that work and you're trying to try those for yourself. I mean, it's fairly certain that, like, Kathleen Kennedy and, and uh, Kevin Feige are different people, right? Kevin Feige has no control over what happens on Denny and Jones 5. Um, and Kathleen Kennedy has no control over what happens on Black Widow 2. 
Um, you know, it's it's sort of the same thing here. If you put individuals in charge of the individual branches, individual branches, then you have a coherent storytelling strategy that works for everybody. And it's as we've covered on this podcast many times, the WB approach, especially to DC, DC films, has been so fractured and so uh, dissembled that it hasn't been pro- productive or fruitful for anybody. Their two best box office performers of the last five years are the Batman and the, jo- and the Joker, which are two wildly different films, but both made by iconic filmmakers with an iconic vision that's completely different from Zack Snyder's, which was the dominant vision for a decade in the DC world. So I I think ultimately breaking it down and giving each individual studio head their own, their own purview, I think is the right way to go. Will it, will it happen? Will it stay intact? Who knows? I mean, we've lived through what seven iterations of Warner brothers leadership at this point in the last 10 years. So like, We'll see, but from, from where we go from here, it's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I, I w- I'm really excited to see, or maybe anxious is a better word to see how all of this is gonna go with WB. So, but I know those kind of decisions are gonna come slowly. I think you know we'll, we'll get um, we'll get more answers as. The year goes on, um, but in the same vein, because it, they did talk about separating all the studios and animation, uh, you know, DC is my hobby horse. I've beaten that hobby horse foot to death, so I'm not going to say anything else because this was a a good grain of salt. Uh, but I'll I will stick on them a little bit with the the whole animation part because their animation studio is almost completely dormant they do things here or there but nothing of significance and i think they should uh i think that's the potential they're the ones that started uh they they're the ones that did the lego movie and the lego movie too those things are good i, I know they're all for licensed things but they did do those movies and i think Warner Brothers should have an animation studio to at least what is going on over at Disney uh, and not even Disney uh, because Illumination has an animation studio your mileage may vary on those movies and the minions but adorable as they are I, adorable as they are but you know a lot of people don't like them um, but those are viable it's a viable uh, cartoon studio and after seeing things like uh, like the bad guys which I thought was a very inventive with the way they used animation. Warner Brothers should still be in the animation game that serious. They they should have a, a stake in it. Uh, they don't have to be like Disney that releases on any given year. Disney's probably le- releasing at least three movies, like uh, a couple Pixar regular Disney proper animation. WB doesn't have to be that. They can do one or two a year, but they got to get back into it and make like quality animation. And I say all of that to say what I really want is for them to do to do those things and then um, incorporate Looney Tunes back in the theaters and put shorts in front of 
anim WWE animation as well as family films. Uh, because they have a treasure trove of characters in the annals of animation. The Looney Tunes uh, cartoons are a legend. And while they're doing good things with them on HBO Max, it is on HBO Max. And lots of people don't know they exist. Get them back on the big screen to feed into other things. Uh, take advantage of what you have. Um, and on, and a, a personal kick, another personal kick of mine is with with progresses in animation. I also think that one uh, those when I say stick them in front of animated, I mean in front of family movies. I think you stick them in front of some DC movies too that will require DC to make family movies and not just murder, murder, death, kill, kill, kill. But you can do that. Uh, you can also branch out with that part and like have animated short DC things stuck in front of DC movies. You can do a whole bunch of different things with animation to get people excited about your properties again. Um, so hopefully that will be a priority coming out of this too. I think then I think is more wishful thinking on my part, but I just had to say it. If you're the studio of Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, you should be doing a lot with that licensing and that that back catalog because it's just inherent. And you don't just necessarily have to refine it to to HBO Max or whatever they're going to end up calling the streaming service now. Like, you have some of them, just like with DC, you have some of the richest characters in the history of animation. Use them, use them wisely, and get them out in front of people so that a new generation can fall in love with them and can fall in love with the idea of animation in a way that Disney... Is not doing. Um, Disney has not done a hand-drawn animated movie since uh, Princess and the Frog. They have some. Uh, they've talked about doing some more stuff, but they haven't. You have a you have a room to maneuver and grow here that I think that others would be jealous to have. So I think you should utilize some of your most famous names to help. You know, to help in the IP war. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really saying all this stuff because I, I love Looney Tunes. Anybody that knows me should know that I love Looney Tunes. Um, growing up, uh, for, I know for me, and Brian would have caught the tail end of this, Looney Tunes were ubiquitous. Everybody knew Looney Tunes. Why? Because they started in, I mean, the classic ones that we know started in the 40s. And from, from theatrical shorts, to transition TV, Looney Tunes were on TV from the Buzz Bunny show in some form, like Buzz Bunny, Buzz Bunny Tweety Show, Buzz Bunny Road Runner Show. It's all variations of the same show. was on TV for like 50 years. So that means you had generations of people that grew up watching those cartoons. Like my aunt, who was 40 years older than me, she had seen those cartoons. My mom, who was 13 years younger than her, she had seen those cartoons. I saw those cartoons. So while they may not have watched them, they knew them when they saw them. And they knew who Looney Tunes characters were. Now, because it's been off of TV for 20 years, there's generations of people, yeah, they might know Bugs Bunny, but you're kind of pushing it 
outside of Bugs, Daffy, maybe Porky and Tweety. They're they're losing their uh their their relevance, and I think I, I touched on this when we talked about Space Jam before. I think that was the fatal flaw. Of Space Jam, Looney Tunes are not as ubiquitous as they were, and you. It's a shame because I still think Mickey Mouse and his cast of characters are as ubiquitous as they ever were, and even though they don't have cartoons on uh, on the big screen. But they've made their hay with uh, the preschool format with Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and that stuff. It has kept, and besides, you know, being the mascot for the big, great Death Star mouse. So they've, re- they've remained relevant in pop culture while Looney Tunes have taken a step back. I don't know if you can get them all the way back up, but you can get them to a point where people recognize them. More people recognize them again. You get the older people to remember them. And introduce them to the younger people. And then see what happens from there. Use what you have, WB. You have a lot. Indeed. And my my background comes from um, Tiny Toons. And from the Bugs Bunny show that was on Cartoon Network. Because Cartoon Network used to run that stuff on a regular basis. And then it moved to Boomerang. And then Boomerang moved all digital. And then, you know... It, it's kind of like I'm a hockey fan. I've, um, I'm a deep, deep, passionate hockey fan in Louisiana in the South. But the reason for that is because ESPN carried hockey when I was a, a teenager and a kid. And then after the first lockout in 2003, when I was in high school, it moved to Versus, which I didn't have. And so I lost track of the sport that I loved. I had to keep up with it through through highlights and through the Internet. But I had to keep up with it through various means until NBC Sports Net became uh, versus became NBC Sports Network, and then the NBC Sports Network became more readily available. Um, like, like Boomerang was not readily accessible for a bunch of people, and so for an entire generation to get reintroduced to them through a new legacy um, was kind of kind of an abrupt thing. And so I'm, I really hope that they take this opportunity to put somebody in charge of the animation division who knows what they're doing, who has an affinity for these characters, and who can put them in a position to be successful. Amen. So that'll about do it for this week's uh, episode of the Movies on the Brain podcast. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCW Tiger Fan. I'm at The Mets Theory. Thank you very much and very happy birthday to the very sexy... Very amazing. Very talented. So- I'm going to regret this. Sophia Coppola. Um, okay. Who, who was so a very boring and bland actress in Godfather Part 3. However, was a visionary director of um, films such as The Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, um, as well as The Bling Ring and Marie, Marie Antoinette. She is a close co- collaborator with Kirsten Dunst, and they are roughly two years apart in age. And uh, she is awesome and amazing. I can't wait to see what she does going forward. But a very happy birthday to Sofia Coppola, and a very happy release of the uh, anniversary, 50th anniversary release of The Godfather to her father, Francis Ford. Thank you very much, and have a pleasant weekend.